The reality is that however we look on the outside as human beings, on the inside we're experiencing exactly what that video envisioned, the, the struggle within, the war within. I, I think every single one of us, even when we're really good at imaging otherwise, knows what it's like to experience world war me. And one of the great struggles of our lives is to find, you know, happiness is, I think, the best way to say it. You know, that sense of internal well-being, that sense of meaning and significance and contentment that can't be described by anything else but maybe just joy. We're struggling for it. We're looking for it. Almost every choice we make we think is going to bring us some of the happiness. If it's a, a moral compromise or a vocational compromise, a relational compromise, it just doesn't matter what it is. It all boils down to we're looking for happiness. We're involved in this war for it. But with all the struggle, with all the compromises, with all the choices we make, can we just be honest? Still very few of us ever find it, right? That's why we just keep struggling for it. World War Me, it's alive and well. And of course, we come up with all kinds of reasons why we're not experiencing it. And, and it never has anything to do with ourselves, if you think about it. The reasons that we're not experiencing happiness, it has to do with, you know, the employer or the spouse. Not this one, the last one. You know, that kind of thing. We're, it's got to do with the kids. It's got to do with that. Or maybe it's the church we go to. God knows. Pastor Brad Powell can't help me, you know, and then on and on we go, and it says we're always blaming someone on the outside instead of accepting blame ourselves. And this isn't one of those conversations where I'm telling you all the things you're doing wrong as if I'm doing it right. This, this is a conversation where I'm sharing with you the reality of how I live, and I'm just thinking because you're human beings who breathe as well, you're like me, because I, I do this. I. I mean, I look for all kinds of reasons why I'm not experiencing what I long for and why I make the choices I make. And, and often I'm blaming other things and circumstances. And sometimes, shame on me, I'm, I'm blaming God because he's the last one left to blame. But when it comes right down to it in the end, I've found it personally. I've seen it as true for all the rest of us. In the end, our failure to find genuine happiness is on us. It's on us. That doesn't mean we're not given really difficult circumstances. It's not, it doesn't mean that we haven't been betrayed and hurt and ripped off by the people whom we should have been able to kind. It doesn't mean that everything's gone well for us. It's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying no matter what we experience on the external aspect of our lives, whether we genuinely experience happiness ultimately is on us. It ultimately comes down to our choices. And we find this all the way through the Psalms. In fact, Psalm 1, which we're going to look at this weekend, is the introduction to all the Psalms. It sets the lens on how we're supposed to be looking at the Psalms and understanding the Psalms and understanding life and God and ourselves. And, and here's the truth that I want you to see this weekend as we continue talk three of World War Me. And I hope you'll write it down. I hope that if you write nothing else down, you'll write this down and you'll try and cement it into your consciousness because this is a truth we need to embrace in our world today. The quality of our lives 
is ultimately determined by the quality of our choices. This isn't really the truth we want to hear. And it's not a mean truth. It's not a beat you up truth. But it's, it's not the truth we want to hear. Because I want to hear that the quality of my life is determined by whether or not something that hasn't happened yet will happen. Don't you? I, that's why some of you play the lottery, right? The quality of my life is determined by the quality of my bank account. And God knows a buck lottery ticket that brings me in a couple hundred mil would be pretty awesome. Yeah, it hasn't worked for anyone. People who have stable, secure, genuinely happy lives who win the lottery have the same kind of life afterwards. And people who are looking for something to be solved from the outside who win the lottery still live self-destructive lives. It is crazy. The quality of our lives is not determined by the quality of our circumstances. Now, don't get me wrong. I like quality circumstances. But that's not what determines the quality of my life. The quality of my life and your life is determined by the quality of our choices. We have within our grasp the ability to experience everything we're longing for. And it all comes down to making those choices. It's where it's at. Whether we find genuine happiness, genuine success, and I'm not talking about marketplace success where we're the best known people in the world. I'm talking about genuine success where we have truly lived and are experiencing lives of meaning in whatever vocational calling we have, in whatever relational context we're in, where if we ever are really going to experience true significance, find the meaning we're looking for in life, then, then we have to understand it all depends on our choice. It's why I've called this talk choice. And it's not something I'm making up. This is something that God has clearly communicated to us. And I, I want you to see it in the context of the Psalms. In fact, this is why I bounce back to Psalm 1. Look at, look at Psalm chapter 1, and I'm going to read the whole thing for you. It's it's 223 verses. I hope you're ready. No, it's not. It's six. Six verses. But it is so full. Psalm 1. Blessed. And that word blessed, you know, happy. Happy, happy. It's kind of like, you know, a double happy. Happy times two. It's like truly content, truly, truly living a life of satisfaction, truly experiencing a life of well-being. Blessed is who? Well, it goes on to tell us. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of the mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. Now, I'm going to go back and I'm, I'm going to help you to realize that everything that I just read is based on choice. And so I'm going to just change the words so that you can see what it's actually saying. Blessed is the one who chooses not, because the only way I don't walk in the influence of these people is if I make a choice, right? It's a choice. Blessed is the one who chooses not to walk in step with, in, in the counsel of, under the influence of the wicked, those who deny God. Blessed is the one who chooses not to stand in the way that sinners take, to, to make that the primary area of influence in their life. Blessed is the one who chooses not to sit in the company of mockers, who chooses not to become like them, but who chooses 
to delight in the law of the Lord and who chooses to meditate on God's law day and night. That person who makes those choices is like, verse 3, a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do, even when the hurricane comes and even when the storms come and they come into all of our lives, that tree that's been purposely planted where it can keep being nourished in a proper way, it can get all the nutrients it needs in the proper way, will be strong and fruitful and won't wither. It'll last no matter what's going on around it because it's a strong tree. That's exactly what the people who make the choices of Psalm 1 and 2 become like. And then verse 4, four words, not so the wicked. And by the way, wicked sounds so, wicked, doesn't that sound harsh? Wicked just simply means those who don't choose God's way. That's all it's saying. Not so the wicked. What's, it, what's that mean? It means they make the opposite choices that were described in verses 1 and 2. They, they then experience the opposite life. Not so the wicked. They don't choose to avoid the evil influences of the world. They walk in them. They don't choose not to stand in the way of sinners. They choose to stand right in it. They, they don't choose not to sit with the mockers. They choose to become one of them. They don't choose to, to meditate on God's law day and night, make it the focus of their lives and make it to the delight of that. They don't choose that. And so what are they? Instead of a tree planted by rivers of water, you, you see that beautiful metaphor of strength and what we're longing for in life, this, this tree that no matter what happens has well-being, it's blessed, it's happiness. Instead of that, look at what verse 4 tells us they are. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away just so you know chaff it's interesting I, some of you are thinking about chafing right now I get it that's not what this is this is chaff chaff is the is the useless substance that wraps up a seed that's the wrapping of a seed and you have to take that junk off before you can use the seed for its nutrients and those kind of things and what they would do when they would harvest the seed is they would you know throw it up and down in a kind of a netted filter kind of a deal and the seed would be heavy enough to fall back down and the chaff would get caught in the wind and it just blow away you, you know what I'm saying you were made for value you were made for use you were made to experience happiness it's available to you and if you choose not to do these things and you choose to make God the focus of your lives, you're going to be like a tree plant. Talk about useful, bearing your fruit. Nothing can affect you. Nothing can make you wither. But if you don't make those choices, if you make the opposite choices, you're like chaff. And you know what he's saying? You're useless. Made to be useful, but by choice, making yourself useless. And isn't this really how so many of us feel in this world? Isn't this the great struggle of our lives? It is mine to find meaning, and I try and find meaning in the weirdest things. You know, the size of the church I get to pastor, or the, you know, the, the number of people who retweet my tweet. <laughs> who gives a crap? 
Because you know what happens after I get retweeted a lot? Then I'm struggling to write a tweet that gets retweeted more than that. And the truth is, I think my record is, I don't know, one retweet. I don't know. Not very good. You get, we're, we're literally wasting our lives because of our choices. Then Psalm 1 goes on, you know, the, therefore the wicked, those who don't choose to follow God as the result of their choices, will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous paradise. The only way you need to understand that is simply we were created to live in God's presence. And because of what Jesus has done for us, we can live in God's presence forever, but when we make the wrong choices, what we're doing is we're making that which Jesus made possible impossible for us because we're choosing to live separated from him forever. And then the last verse, verse 6, for the Lord watches over those who have chosen his way, the way of righteousness, but those who have chosen the way of the wicked, they have chosen destruction. This is the... World War Me we're all involved in. This great struggle. It's all, it all boils down to choices. It's the great struggle, isn't it? When I look myself in the mirror and I'm just going, oh, blah, blah, you know, like that video did, you know what it's the result of? Disappointment with myself over the choices I've made. Do you get there? Do you experience that? Every single one of the shadows in my life that haunt me to this day stem from choices I made. The quality of my life is determined by the quality of my choices. The same is true with you. And the great gift that God has given us is that He can redeem the worst of our choices and allow us to make choices that lead to his hope and life again. But we have to make the choice. We have to stop blaming the world and politics and, and circumstances and our heritage and our family and all that. We have to stop blaming all this other stuff and we have to start owning this. My life will ultimately be determined by the choices I make irregardless of what other people do to me. And this is an area, I, I can get overly passionate about this, and I, I, if you're a guest here, I mean, I'm usually just sweet, loving, gentle kind of a guy. <laughs> but this one can really get me wound up tight because I realize that God has made available for us everything we're longing for. And most of us miss it because we're making the wrong choices. And I think we're wasting our time getting together like this if we don't encourage each other to make the right choices, right? If we don't spotlight this truth. And, and that's what this series is all about. And so let me, I just want to spotlight a couple of things out of Psalm 1. And I could spend, you know, several hours in it and uh, be speaking to an empty auditorium shortly. But uh, instead, I decided to winnow it down to a couple of things that I think can really make impact. And here's the first one. Did you realize that... You have in your hands the power to choose the way you'll go. It wasn't preset by your parents. Parents have influence. But you have the ability to choose the way you'll go, no matter how you were raised, no matter what country you're born in, no matter what kind of religious affiliation you've had or not had in life, no matter what kind of choice you have within your grasp the ability to choose your way. That's what Psalm 1 tells us. We 
choose our way. And the way determines where we're going. I don't know how many of you are, are hikers, but I, I love, you know, a good hike. I love that. But you do know, you, you choose where you're going to go. Same in life. We choose the way, which results in where we end up. We choose our ultimate influences, and the influences that we choose lead to or away from God's blessing, lead to the life that we're looking for and longing for or away from it. We choose our own way. You choose your way. What way have you chosen? In the end, I, I, this is very important to see. I love the simplicity of Psalm 1. It just takes all the complexity that we experience in this world of ours, and it, it puts it down into very simple terms for us. In the end, there are only two ways. I get it that they can be envisioned a lot of different ways and experienced in a lot of different ways, but in the end, there are only two ways. There's the way of the righteous, you know, the way of those who have chosen to know and live God's way, and the way of the wicked, those who have chosen not to know God in His way and don't live in His way. Those are the only two ways. There's the way that that leads to experiencing God's blessings and eternal value, the satisfaction of our longing for happiness. And then there's the way that leads to experiencing nothing but the curse. And, and it's a life wasted, like chaff blowing in the wind, never finding meaning. And we choose our way. And you know, this is exactly what Jesus taught. And you need to know that the Psalms were the music of Jesus when he was on this planet. And much of his teaching just comes right out of the Psalms. I want to give you an example of it. Look what he says in Matthew 7, 13 and 14. He said there are two ways. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way, the road, that leads to destruction. And many enter through that. That's where the masses are. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and just a few are finding it. What's he saying? There are two ways. One way's huge easy to find, easy to get on, and that's where the multitudes are. And one way is really narrow, and that's where you need to be, but few find it. Two ways, and what he's teaching and what Psalm 1 teaches, and this is interesting to me, is that the way of God, the way of the righteous, is literally one way. God's way, literally narrow, one way. Jesus said it, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I mean, one way, literally. Whereas the way of the wicked is many ways. Think about this. Every way that is not God's way is the wrong way. And there are a lot of those highways. Here's the point. There are a multitude of ways to miss God's blessings, to get to the wrong place in life, to miss living the lives of meaning and eternal reward that we long for. There's only one way to God's blessings. So it, it makes sense what the psalm's telling us, right? It makes sense for us to do everything in our power to make the choices to avoid the wrong ways and the wrong influences, and instead to submit ourselves to God's ways and God's truth and to focus on that, as the psalmist says, day and night. Doesn't it make sense since there's only two ways and the right way, the way that leads to where we long to go is narrow and one and the wrong way is huge and every other way on the planet is the wrong way. Doesn't it make sense to do everything in our power to avoid the one and to find the other, doesn't it? But we don't. 
I mean, we play around with all kinds of other stuff, but we, this isn't our focus. No wonder we're missing it. We're, we're longing for it, but we're missing it. This psalm goes on and says the way of the wicked um, is seen as progressive. In, in verse 1, it says, you know, if you're going to experience God's blessings, then, hey, you, you need to make the choice not to walk in the council in lockstep with, with the wicked. Don't, don't be listening to their voices. Don't be... Don't be locking arms with them. Don't walk with them. And that's where it starts. And then it says, don't stand in the way of sinners. You know, you start walking and hearing the influence of doing that, and then all of a sudden, if you really start embracing a conversation, what do you do? You, you stop walking and you stand. Right? Now you're really invested in each other. You're really open to each other. You're really listening to each other. And then when it really gets significant, then what do you do? You go from walking and standing to say, hey, come on into Starbucks with me and let's have a latte together. And here's my typical answer. You buying? You know, that kind of thing. But anyway, but what do you do? You, you sit. When you start sitting with people, now what you're doing is you're fully opening yourself up to them, right? And this is exactly what it says. It's how the world works. It's progressive. First you walk with them, then you stand with them, and then you sit with them. And this is true on the negative side and the positive side. First you walk with them, then you stand with them, and then you sit with them. And the majority of people are walking with the wrong people under the wrong influences. They start standing with them and sitting with them, and they'll never get to the right place instead of walking and standing and sitting with the right people and influences. You see, the people who are not knowing God's blessing, they leave God out of their lives by choice, and then with greater and greater intentionality and intensity, what they do is they, they start making even worse choices. And I've seen it my whole life. A person starts listening to the wrong voices, and then they start making choices, and then the decline happens quickly and fully. Have you ever seen it? I mean, it's like, it's like how do people fall so fast? It's because... Once you make one wrong choice, it leads quickly to a bunch of wrong choices. This is how it happened with David, a man after God's own heart, but he made the wrong choice to commit adultery, and that led him to murder. Are you kidding me? This is how it works. And it's been since the beginning. It's how it worked with Eve, you know, Eve in the garden. I mean, here she was in paradise, in God's presence. Everything was glorious, and then all of a sudden... The voice of the serpent, the evil one, spoke, right? And what was he speaking? The same thing he always speaks, compromise truth. Just enough truth to keep us on the hook, but just enough lies to make it no longer the truth, missing God's ways. And, and he started speaking, and she started, what? Walking in the counsel of the ungodly. She started listening to the wrong voices, and then what did she do? Then she started standing and looking. Man, that fruit does look awesome. No longer focusing on what God said, no longer making that the attention that she puts herself on, but instead saying, that fruit looks awesome, and he just said it'll make me like my own God. God's ripping me off. God, you're ripping me off. Standing. And then what she do? She sat and had herself some fruit. Right? And then what did she do? Immediately, because... Look at when we make wrong choices, we don't like to be all alone. We like support, right? So what did she do? She said, hey, Adam, fixed you a meal. And she started speaking the wrong voices into his life, and he started standing and listening and ultimately sit and had himself a fruit salad. 
and we're doing the same thing every day. And then we're blaming God, and then we're blaming our parents, and then we're blaming the world, and then we're blaming circumstances, and then we're blaming the fact that we haven't won the lottery yet, and then we're blaming our church, and then we're blaming blah, blah, blah. And it all boils down to the quality of my life is determined by the quality of my choices. We choose our way. The way of the righteous is described in Psalm 1. It's really important to see. The people who are going to know God's blessings avoid the influences of the wicked. They don't walk in their influence. They don't stand under their influence. They don't sit under their influence. They intentionally choose what they will be influenced by. They choose instead to delight themselves in God's word, to, to, to walk under the influence of God's word, to stand under the influence of God's truth, to sit under the influence of God's truth and to make it the primary influence of their life, to meditate on it day and night, to, to choose to let it form the basis for all of their choices and all of their views. And those are the people that experience happiness. And do you know how many of those kind of people are in the world? Very few, out there or in here. I'm seldom that right person. And this is why we miss the way. Because we make the wrong choice. Can I ask you, are you on the right way or the wrong way? Seriously. It's your choice. And isn't it good news? Even if you've chosen wrong every time until this moment, God's made it possible for you to choose right in this moment and change everything. Isn't that awesome? And then, by the way, we get to choose our life. And this is important because we blame everybody else for our life. Oh my gosh, my life. Oh my life. If you only knew, you know. And the truth is, we all have storms, we all have tragedies, we all have difficulties, we all have bad service, some of us far more than others. I get it. But do you realize that we get to choose our life no matter what the context of our life? We get to choose it. This is what Psalm 1 says. We get to choose our ultimate character, our ultimate impact, our ultimate value. The... the the life of the wicked in Psalm 1 is described. You know, the people who don't follow God, not so the wicked. The, the ungodly are not like the godly, simply. They, they don't avoid the way of sinners. They don't delight in God's word. They don't meditate on it day and night. And so what life are they choosing? They're choosing the life of chaff instead of the life of a tree. The life of something that has no chance of producing positive fruit instead of something that has no chance of not producing positive fruit. They, they choose a life of dust in the wind instead of a life secured by roots down in the very foundations of God, and it's their choice. We choose the life that we have, either a life of abundance or the life of chaff. We choose it. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that when you choose a life of abundance that everything around you is wonderful because it's not. But you know what happens to a tree planted by the rivers of water whose leaf doesn't wither and who's always bearing fruit and see, you know what happens in the midst of a hurricane? Everything else is down and it's still up. You know what happens to chaff? No one knows where it is. It doesn't even matter. Jesus said the same thing. Once again, he was teaching the Psalms. Look at Matthew 7, verse 24 through 27. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. 
The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation. All the storms are going to come that can destroy everything in its wake, but the person who's chosen not to walk under the influence of the ungodly and instead chosen to walk and stand and sit under the influence of God's word and to make it the primary influence in their lives stands no matter what comes at them. You get to choose your life. But... Everyone who hears these words of mine, Jesus says, and does not put them into practice is like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Not so with the wicked. Their chaff, made for value, living valueless lives. Made to stand, no longer standing. Why? Because God's ripping me off. No. Because you're ripping yourself off. Choice. We choose our life. We don't choose our circumstances. We don't choose our context. We don't choose the outward elements that come at us. The storms are going to come. But we choose the quality of the life we'll experience in the midst of it. What choice have you made? What life are you experiencing? The whiners, the complainers, the bitter and angry and spite-filled, hate-filled people in this world, and they're the masses, the many, are the people who've chosen all the wrong things and are going to blame everyone but themselves for the life they're experiencing, whereas those who make the right choices can have grief and all kinds of other things, but they have a life of abundance within because it's what they chose. What have you chosen? And this psalm tells us that we choose our destiny. Not just the way we're going to take in life, not just the life we'll experience in the temporary, but our destiny. We choose our destiny. Look at the Psalm 1 says the outcome of the wicked, they're going to be separated from God forever. They can't stand in the judgment. They can't stand in the assembly with the righteous. They can't live in paradise like Adam and Eve were kicked out of paradise. So they're making the choice that will never allow them back in, not because it's not possible, but because they're making the wrong choices. They're choosing their destiny. God has chosen to love every single human who's ever breathed and God has chosen through Jesus to die for and pay the penalty of sin for every person who's ever sinned all of us God has chosen in the resurrection of Jesus to make it possible for us all who don't deserve paradise to be in paradise living in his presence God has chosen that for all of us the only way we miss that is by choosing the wrong destiny and remember the wrong destiny can be chosen in a multitude of ways the right one can be chosen in one way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We choose our destiny. The outcome of the righteous is to be in God's presence forever. It's a choice. Jesus said it again. Remember, he's teaching the Psalms. Look at John 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever makes the choice to believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. We choose our destiny. We choose our way. We choose our life. We choose our destiny. We choose the quality of our lives. How's life going? What choices have you been making? So I, I just want to give you this conclusion. It's not, okay, this isn't the deepest talk I'll give, 
but I think it's absolutely one of the most important talks I'll ever give. Because the depth of our experience of God comes from the choice we make. And most of us never experience depth in a relationship with God because what? We make the wrong choices. So here, here's the conclusion. It's the, best way I, it's the best way I can get at it. I need to remind you, this is what Psalm is teaching. This is how we get out of losing in world war me and winning. We have to realize that the choice is ours. Stop blaming others. Stop pointing out the circumstances and realize the choice is ours. Our choice determines the quality and character of our lives today and forever. The choice is yours. And then, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Now. So, the choice is ours. The time to choose is now. Now. That's, I mean, the choice is yours. And the time to choose is now. And so just before I end this talk, I want to ask you if you would just bow with me in a word of prayer. If you'd just bow with me just for a moment. And I want you not to focus on all the other stuff in the world, but just to focus on you. What, what way have you chosen? What life have you chosen? What destiny have you chosen? Where are you at? Remember, the choice is yours. And I, I just encourage you to make the choice. Some of you have already followed Jesus, but you haven't been following him, if you know what I'm saying. The choice is yours, and the time is now. Some of you have yet to experience Jesus at all in your life. The choice is yours, and the time to choose is now. And I'm going to pray and invite you to take my words and make it the expression of your words to God, your heart to God. Just pray with me and just say, Jesus, I believe that you really did die on the cross for my sin and really did rise from the dead so that I could have new life. You did it for me. You did it so I could have a choice to know you, to choose your way, your life. And I'm doing it now. I'm giving you my sin, confessing my sin, and putting my faith in you and you alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you just prayed with me just before I... I end the talk. I, I, I just want to encourage you, let us know. We actually, if you just prayed with me to receive Jesus, we want to give you a Bible. We want to tell you some next steps that you can take in your relationship with God. We just have to know you prayed with me. And so in your program is this connection card. It's the World War Me program. If you're in one of our services, just take it out. And inside there's this connection card, a way that you can communicate to us. And there's a place where you can say, I prayed with you to receive Jesus. Check that off. It's really simple to get back to us. There are boxes at every exit. Just throw it in there. And then we'll send you that Bible and that information and do anything we can to help you move along. We, I also know that a series like this, God's been doing a bunch of stuff in this series already. It's only the third week, but a ton of things have been going on. And I, I know a lot of you are wrestling with it like I have been. And we have a prayer team that meets up front in all of our campuses. And when I dismiss the prayer teams up here, and I really encourage if you want to talk to someone or you want to pray with someone, just come forward and they'll be glad to sit down with you in an appropriate way, talk to you about these spiritual things, okay? It's really, really important. And the last thing, I failed to mention it earlier, when you leave, you're going to see at all the doors our guest service team and they're going to have a, 
a Glory of Christmas card, and it talks about all the dates of Glory of Christmas, and it's a great way for you to invite people, at whether you're at a restaurant or in a place of business or with friends or in your neighborhood. And I encourage you to get as many of these as you can to be inviting people to the Glory of Christmas because it's a way to introduce them to the choice that they can make, right? To the hope that they can have. But here's how I want to end this. Our lives are up and down, our lives are all around, but the one thing that's constant is that we're all seeking to experience meaning, happiness. And I want you to remember all week long, it will come from your choices. And if you realize this, when you come to make a choice, you'll start making the right ones. Because the quality of your life this week will be determined by the quality of your choices this week. The quality of your life forever will be determined by the quality of your choices forever. Let's start making quality choices because then we can walk in the quality life that Jesus has for us. Let's do it together. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time.